The following podcast was recorded live in front of an audience at Celluloid Screams in Sheffield on October the 19th, 2018. It wasn't recorded with our usual equipment, so if you do notice any audio abnormalities or anything like that, don't worry, that's not going to be permanent. So I suppose before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast may contain strong language, sexual content, motiveless bloodshed, killing with impunity, substance abuse, a hippo in a tutu, sangria spiked with LSD, glam rock midgets, gratuitous depictions of torture, medical negligence, conversations of an adult nature, and scenes of mild peril. How about that? See all this? Look. Way too fancy. Way too fancy as hell. I'm just going to sit down now. What, are, you, are, you do, are you doing an interview? Alright, okay. It's the long version, okay. This is Mitch. He's my co-host. I am indeed. Hello. And I'm Andy. Hi. And joining us today, he is the director of Wolfman's Got Nerds and the star of the Monster Squad, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andrew Gower. Oh yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna say <laughs> you get, To be honest, that's a, it's a like, cordless mate. You can go sit at the uh, bar. Cordless mate. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my name's on the string. I sit wherever I want to. Hello. All right. All right. Was it right, Mitch? This was a long version. Uh, yeah, it was. Quite a long, quite a long version. Hello, and welcome to Day 2 of Side of Light Screams and the first ever live recording of Strong Language and Violent Scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for coming down. Uh, if you haven't listened to us before... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we give a second chance to films that might not deserve them. And generally... The guest chooses the film, and today, Mr. Andrew Gower. Starship Troopers. Starship yeah. Troopers, Starship indeed. Troopers. Yeah. A controversial decision, I think, in many ways, because from the moment we announced it, people were like, and I think I was, I think I said to you as well, this is a fucking great film. <laughs> uh, but actually, it got quite a hard time when it came out. I, I think it's one of those movies that people don't necessarily get when it first comes out. And they're like, the fuck did I just see? <laughs> like, that was awful. The acting's terrible. It's like, God, that's so cornball and everything's so over the top. And then later on, if you see it again or again or you you marinate a little bit, people go, oh, wait, I think that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I, th- I think I sort of get it. But then I just love it because it is so cheeseball. Mm-hmm. But it's like quality cheese ball. It's not like craft cheese. It's like like high end like gourmet cheese. Cheddar goblin. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I like this movie, but like if it's on, I was telling you last night. Like if I'm flipping through, because I still like flip through channels. Like on, cable, I don't stream much, but if it's on, it like it's get wa- it gets watched. Yeah. Like I can't not watch this movie. Like even if it's uh, like the three minute mark, it's like well, oh my, here's the last three minutes. <laughs> They're dead. Got it. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, it, it's so awesomely bad or mm-hmm. badly awesome or however you want to say it uh, from start to finish. But it's also very social commentary and geopolitics commentary. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's very, very heavy. You know, with the cheese ball in this, there's a lot going on in, in, in this movie. Oh, made sure. by the guy who made fucking RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the other thing is like Starship Troopers 
I mean, anybody see Showgirls? <laughs> well, Everybody yep, thought that movie time. sucked. <laughs> that movie, they don't really get that that was done that way on purpose as well. Like, it's supposed to be that. That's that, we, we need a new word for camp, right? And he's like, <laughs> like awful camp or something. But unfortunately, it killed someone, a great person's career. Like Elizabeth Berkeley, like her career went... <laughs> Right after that, when everybody else from Saved by the Bell's doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> that famously screeches didn't quite well after uh, going to prison. Oh, yeah, well, let's forget Dustin Diamond. Never mind. <laughs> but you yeah. know what? How, you know, Everything how many works out great for everyone without exception from the cat. <laughs> how many people get to stab a guy after a comedy show? It's fine. <laughs> if I could only be so lucky. I mean, jeez. I'm planning on stabbing someone after this. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Andre, something that we do uh, with every guest. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> mm, uh, These don't often go well. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So <laughs> okay. We should probably just tell you what it is rather than making it sound really menacing. But, um, is it going to hurt? Um, I hope not. So, okay. um, so Andy's going to put 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to count you in. Okay. And to the best of your ability, a 30-second synopsis of Starship Troopers. Okay. Hang, <laughs> wait, hang, hang on a second. I'm going to take a set to gather your thoughts. Yes. Okay. We have had these very. Boy, now I know what like Miss American contestants are like. Like, we they get that, <laughs> that question like. <laughs> <laughs> we have had these go from. All right, got it. Incredibly succinct, fifteen seconds to barely scraping page five of the script. Yeah. Um, okay. By the time the thirty seconds runs out. Yeah. Right, you said thirty go? seconds. Okay. Right. Three. Yes. Two. One. Go. In a world. Oh. <laughs> where everybody is that. the same, but very different. There's one way to gain citizenship into our one world government. It's by joining the military, the galactic forces. Uh, So it's about uh, a group of uh, recruits that go into the military service, which uh, enables you to get citizenship, which is the only way to become a citizen now. Hmm. And... (laughs) Apparently, uh, there is this... Time, ch- unfortunately. That was time? <laughs> that was, uh, Never underestimate how short 30, 30 seconds yeah, is. 30 seconds does not I fuck about that. It does not fuck about <laughs> 30 seconds flies by. No, no, no. So the, the, the other <laughs> end, then there's bugs, and they get attacked, and they go, go kill the bugs, and they all die, and then they kill the bugs, and they come home. The 34 <laughs> seconds yep. synopsis, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think we should jump straight in because I think that this film, like the kind of propaganda film that you get at the start, has this unbelievable like shoot first, ask questions nature, uh, later kind of approach to the story and how it reveals it. Because you're basically straight in with um, a recruitment ad for the mo- uh, for the mobile infantry, um, and then immediately cuts to talking about bug meteorites and Clendathu, the planet, and things like that. <laughs> I laugh and every time I hear the name of that planet. It's a great name. It's a great name. Like what? Fuck. Also, I think that like I've been doing this podcast for long enough now because, unsurprisingly, this was a first watch for me like two sure. days ago. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, and as soon as, and as soon as it started, and you were kind of getting this like very urgent news bulletin about bug meteorites, I wasn't like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, cool, bug meteorites." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. It, it, like me. you said, it opens up just kind of bonkers. Like, what am I watching? Yeah. What is this? It sells crazy right out of the gate. Right. And but then it also seems like. Hey, wait a minute. We've seen all this before. Oh, and like even the shots that are in the even in the movie itself. But, you know, look at the costuming and look at the wardrobe and and what propaganda is really. I mean, this movie starts out. Movies are propaganda anyway. Right. They're made to sit a group of people in a room and then, uh, you know, collectively make them think something. 
uh, and they used to be super propaganda, especially in the States and the UK, you know. Yep. We were making World War II movies during World War II. <laughs> let's figure out how it ends, you know, <laughs> and, and so we can tell an accurate story. But no, it's like, let's go this and push war bonds and get people supporting it. And, um, you know, another group of people started off, you know, the propaganda machine pretty good in the, in the 30s. And this movie sort of steals, you know, and rips all of that. But propaganda and marketing is all the same. Mm-hmm. All by the same yeah. guy, like Edward Bernays and John Littman, and these are all early, you know, psychologists and and marketing geniuses mm-hmm. that created what propaganda and marketing is. And <laughs> you can see all of that in poster art and in advertisements and the opening to Starship yeah. Troopers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then throughout, really, because it's crazy. Even though it's really an old 1930s poster that yeah. just moves, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's all based with technology. And it's like, would you like to know more? Click here. Wow, what year was this movie made? Ninety-seven. Came out ninety-seven. We had the internet, but we didn't know really what the internet was going to be, and it hadn't really got there. But boy, you can click here to learn more, and then go down another rabbit hole, and then sign up for something that you may not want to be into <laughs> and never get out of. <laughs> I always love future tech in movies, and then you fast forward twenty years and go, "Damn, they were pretty close." Ah, yeah, 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 yeah and they were, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't far off the mark. Like, it's kind of straight after that, you get the kind of, uh, it cuts kind of live to a guy on Clendathy, and what you see immediately is kind of like unbelievably gory eviscerations. <laughs> there's, two, there's two bisected humans in the first 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. See, so, like, so, like, watching this for the first time now, and I was looking at it, and, like, say, the like, unbelievable level of bloodshed, and, like, before a ball's <laughs> kick, really. I looked, and I, just, I looked at it, and I was like, right, how much did this cost to make again? One hundred million. One hundred million dollars, oh, yeah. and I was like, I was like, this is already like unbelievable. Um, you would never be able to make something this gory on that scale now. Also worth mentioning, when it got its cinematic release in the UK, it was released as a fifteen, um, and it wasn't actually until it got released in for like home video that they went, that's fucking outrageous that this is a fifteen, and they upped it to an eighteen. Yeah, yeah, I think it should. <laughs> I think yeah. it probably should have been. Yeah, you have that weird. Rating, we have weird rating systems too, but your rating, it's 15. Look, it tanked my movie. <laughs> no one could go see the Monster Squad oh in 1987. Um, and uh, we cover that in Wolfman's Got Nards, the documentary. If you'd like to come see that movie tomorrow afternoon. Um, shameless we'll plug. Oh, have we? We'll get, we'll get we have to a thing? Okay, we'll get to uh, But no, that's an interesting you know, concept. The movie is pretty... It's just constantly people getting cut in half by yeah. bugs that have, you know, gardening shears as hands. <laughs> yeah. And um, but the the effects, even some of the effects for, you know, mid 90s technology look pretty bitchin. Definitely. And yeah. even the digital aspect of it and the practical. And that's all actually uh, Studio ADI, which is Amalgamated Dynamics, which is Tom Woodruff's so, yep, and Alec, Alec Gillis' company, mm-hmm. who also worked on a movie that no one saw called The Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Woodruff, Woodruff was, the, was your uh, creature for the Black Lagoon? Yeah, Tom Woodruff was in the, in the Gill Man suit, yeah. but he also made the makeup applications for Frankenstein's monster when okay. he was young. The um uh, the arachnids in this film were they were like an, an unused design for the shriekers from Tremors too, weren't they? Because like the, <laughs> the guy was working on it at the same time. Uh, it was uh, Phil Phil Tippett, yeah, dinosaur Phil man, Phil Tippett. Yeah, and if you yeah, because like the graboids and all the other stuff in Tremors, those are all pretty awesome gigantic gnarly practical stuff too i love tremors too by the way. <laughs> tremors 2 or tremors tremors 2 oh you like tremors yeah. too yeah 
<laughs> the fucking disdain the in your eyes right now. <laughs> I'm kind of sad that like Kevin Bacon backed out of rebooting Tremors as like a show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been awesome. It would have suited the format as well. I think it would have worked as a series. Absolutely. Around about this time, we get our first glimpse of our, I guess, our A hero of the piece, Casper Van Dien as Johnny Rico. White, I was going to say the whitest teeth. He certainly has the whitest teeth. The biggest teeth belong to Jake Busey. Uh, his teeth are like piano keys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But yeah, Casper uh, Van Dien, I find him to be quite awful in this film. <laughs> I think that plays into the overall thing. Oh no, he, I, he I has, find him to bad. be generally but no, awful. He's the, he does have fantastic teeth. <laughs> uh, but he's probably one of the most beautiful human beings on screen. Like he just, it's just, he still looks that way. He's, he's a little older, but I've seen him a million lives. Like, God damn it. Look at this guy. <laughs> uh, but he does have perfect teeth. He's got, you know, mm. I think that plays into the, uh, the whole thing. Nobody's great in this movie. Even Michael oh. Ironside, who was a very good act, is not good in this movie. Excuse me, because everybody's pretty good. Everybody's dialed it up a notch of being like, "We're doing it this way." But Van, D- like Johnny Rico, <laughs> Johnny I mean, come Rico. on, that is like the most awesome bad hero name ever. Winnie Cyrus is born and raised, that, by the way. That's right. The <laughs> uh, they all they all are. Um, although they're all clear, none of them are Hispanic. They just have Hispanic surnames. That, that's right. <laughs> well, I think that's a. Te- I think that's that testament to what's all this futuristic one world and everything's kind of blended in. Now, if you extrapolate that out anthropologically. Oh, oh. We probably on, wouldn't Hello. all end up looking like Casper Van Dien <laughs> and Denise Richards. We would all. It would probably be a little. It would look a little bit different. But uh, why would you not put gorgeous humans in your in your crazy movie? Like I mean, he literally is the whitest guy ever. Well, right? Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. yeah it's uh, and I think. That like I said, he looks like a 1930s propaganda poster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, like, what do you think of him as like a hero, the character? Well, it's that reluctant hero, sort of, right? It's we get a little glimpse into his, you know, his parents. Like, apparently, he's not poor, so it's not like he has to go into the military. Like, but his parents are like, Johnny, you, you know, why would you go and do that? He's like, I feel like I really want to, Dad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <they're> like, <laughs> I want my life to mean something. He does it for love, let's be honest. He does it for... <laughs> I've, I've done some things for, for women. Like that. If, if I look back and go, why the fuck did I do that? Yeah, it's like, and I'm that, joining the mobile infantry I, I, I for didn't, her? <laughs> I haven't quite got to the point where I've gone to war for a woman. Uh, <laughs> give it time, give it time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they're obviously kind of well off, and hopefully everybody in the future is well off. They'd Ideally, be great if I live in like, these awesome steel and glass houses that have cool views. And um, But we, look, we had... They had FaceTime back then. Apparently so. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had, you know, it's uh, all this, star, you know, Star Trek tech. And, um, yeah, he joins because he doesn't have anything else to do, but he's also chasing the girl. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. Uh, we yeah. know how that goes all the time. It never works out. <laughs> you, 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 you never great. move for a significant other. Uh, <laughs> and um, especially to another planet. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like, anecdotally, I've heard that it's never works don't, out. Don't move to another planet. <laughs> <laughs> The gravity of the situation is all different and everything. Is was that a space joke? <laughs> oh, was it? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he makes these decisions and he gets into this world that he doesn't really fit in, but he becomes that reluctant hero once he, you know, it's a, we've seen this story a lot where the, the reluctant hero, it, you know, finds his place and, you know, washes out and then redeems himself only because there was an, like he, if they didn't attack in Buenos Aires, get, you know, meteorited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is totally a word. Yep, sure. Yeah. Um, As of now, he he was walking out like he would have been done. I want to see that movie. Like, where does he go? 
<laughs> he ends up like r- not Rambo, like, oh. but except for just the homeless part. <laughs> and he's just like this destitute guy walking around with a duffel bag, like he didn't but join the mobile infantry. He can't be a citizen, oh. so we probably can't get a library book or anything. It's true, yeah. yeah see. But lucky for him, his whole country gets obliterated. Lucky, lucky, lucky for, for him. him. <laughs> And he gets to run back and, and save the planet. His ascension through the ranks in the mobile infantry is quite something. It's quite phenomenal. Well, when the it's just like the regular military. When the <laughs> guy above you dies, you're next. <laughs> and that happens like that he gets quite like, frequently. He gets like field promoted in battle like three times. Just to, like immediately just because someone dies. And they're just like, yeah. ah, you, it's like, you. It's like playing Call of Duty when you like... You level up mid-game? Well, that's yeah. I mean, his first promotion comes when Jake Busey, which is actually already ahead of him anyway, coming out of, you know, the out of boot camp or whatnot, gets it and he fails because he just can't lead. And then Rico's like, "I can do it." And then he like steps up, and everybody likes when someone steps up. Yeah, exactly. And actually, but we're, we're, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, oh. but that's fine. No, no, it's cool. Um, but um, because <laughs> you kind of get like some pretty rapid-fire introductions to the main characters. Mm-hmm. That are like of the PC. You've got Dizzy, Dina Meyer. Sure. Yep. Um, who Big is. I love for Dina Meyer. Yes, this Dina, guy Meyer. Loves Dina Meyer. Yes, yes, please, Dina Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Dina, Dina Meyer fans, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a total dick to her as well. Like, Dina Meyer would absolutely be my pick over Denise Richards in this film. She's a drip. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, but yeah, they kind of all go their separate ways right at the start when they kind of they all sign up for the infantry at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's only when kind of. Uh, Casper Van Dien, help me. Drico. Rico. Yeah, um, when he heads to the military academy that we run into Jake Busey, and that's when he starts kind of motoring through the ranks and things. Right after he's made um, kind of the first time he gets leveled up, basically, there's a, a moment in that I think is hilarious. It's like, see, when they're having the, um, there's kind of a, like a live arms kind of uh, training <laughs> yeah, session. Yeah. And he's kind of commanding a unit in it. And um, he <laughs> takes someone's helmet off, and the guy gets <laughs> shot through the head. Um, and the, and it, this first, it, like you get this amazing like ninety zoom on his face, and he's just like medic. And it's like that guy's <laughs> half of that guy's head is missing. It's like <laughs> that, that, that horse is fucking bolted, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> that medic line's great. It's kind of a recurring joke throughout. Yeah, it's like um, it's a good thing. It's more a coroner kind of thing. I definitely <laughs> think it is. It's yeah. certainly a uh, uh, a setup to later to where like this is all you're gonna be yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Because when you're on the bug, bug planet, that's all that happens is your guys are just guys and gals are just getting ripped in half. Oh yeah. Or stabbed. That's my. That's like great. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, it's convenient that all of our key players are in the same class at school. Yeah. Well, I mean that would that would naturally happen. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't see that's a big stretch. <laughs> I think um, right before they leave, when they have to kind of burn through all the high cl- uh, the high school cliches that you normally get in a movie, but they do them like right away because it's like there's I don't I want I don't want to call it American football because it's not that. It's but like there's American like football, but it's like it's like laser football yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's like but it's played on a basketball court. Yes, seems. but yeah, so you get that, but then basically it feels like that finishes and everyone immediately changes into tuxedos and goes to the dance. <laughs> well, yeah, that's how it happens in America. He oh, looked, sorry, right. it's, it's, it's totally it's, it's totally accurate. It's like you. You play your football game, you have your rivalry, you know, the, the, the hero quarterback. And I think that's an interesting kind of uh, take on stereotypes or tropes or actual people in human life. You have your superstar quarterback who's like, can do no wrong. He wins the game, but then, like, he's just sort of the schmo after and doesn't have any direction. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's, it, it's really that whole setup. And then maybe the whole movie is sort of my – the way I figured out what Hollywood is with actors – 
Okay. And and insecurity and and mm-hmm. and people that uh, are really really depressed most of the time, like your top one percent in your high school, uh, you know the the cute cheerleader or the quarterback or the funny kid or uh, that pal around girl next door. Th- that's all that top one percent that can do no wrong in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my god, they're gonna be you know, they never become world leaders like ever. <laughs> that never happens. And what happens? There is sort of the Johnny Rico effect in Starship Troopers and in my little kind of, I figured out Hollywood years ago, that top 1% leaves and goes to Hollywood because they're like, they never did anything wrong. They were always popular. That's the main thing. Uh, They won the game. They were in the play. They had all the girls or the guys after them. And then they're super special in their town. And then they go to Hollywood and realize they're one of 15,000 that are exactly like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you get somebody that comes from being a number one for so long, put them in a pool where they're just swimming around with a bunch of other people that are exactly the same. What you don't realize is most of those one percenters, like Johnny Rico, are the most insecure people are actually out of that whole bunch because all they've ever had is pressure to perform, do all this. They, you know, they've got to live up to their kind of hype, and it usually never happens, and that's unfair. And then they go into this other world where they're like, I can do no wrong and everybody loves me. And this business being Hollywood is 99% rejection. And they've never been told no in their life. And they go bonkers. And meth. (laughs) (laughs) The Rico effect. But so then he he's aimless. He doesn't know his parents don't you know kind of like know what to do with him. But they don't want him to go into the mobile infantry because they see that <laughs> as something below yeah, them. Yeah. And uh, I th- I think there's a lot of messages going on in Starship Troopers. <laughs> Johnny Rico looks preposterous in that tuxedo. Doesn't everybody except really for maybe any weird. Bond? Yeah, like yeah. everybody looks lame in a tuxedo <laughs> unless it is perfectly fit for your perfectly fit body. I'm never going to look good in a tuxedo. I'm not either. Are you kidding? Oh, look at this lovely blazer. <laughs> it's my conversation blazer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but occasionally Mitch holds his microphone like he's a hip-hop man. <laughs> <laughs> you hold that thing however you yeah. want to hold that thing. No, Thanks, I, I man. Would, I would never take that. He's not doing like this. Yeah, I would never take that away from you. But no, you're right. I think um, if you look at that the the tuxedo the ball scene, that's just over the top yeah. crazy because <laughs> no one has like black tie. I mean, proms are dumb. You know, you got to rent a tuxedo that doesn't fit Famously. and it smells like the guy that wore it before you. And um, <laughs> like, aren't rental tuxedos just like the bowling shoes of apparel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're just absolutely <laughs> yeah. On yeah. You, you famously them. need to. They famously demand that you oh, wear pants. Oh, it's disgusting. Like, underneath them, it's uh, disgusting. And uh, you, you go to this crazy after you know a football game ball, which is sort of the the country club type yeah, of scene. It's yeah. like so. This is the upper crust. I'm like why you know like nobody would go to the military or you know that, but I, that's the only way to get in to get in that. Cr- it's just a weird, confusing <laughs> kind of world. It's like, is this the future? <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> I want no part of this. But uh, continue. Cause let's there's talk a minute about Denise Richards, Mitch. Cause, uh, uh, cause Do I know we you, have to? I know, okay. you, I know you had some uh, pretty entrenched views about Denise Richards and her performance um, uh, in general. Let's not forget, by the way, that Denise Richards was married to Charlie Sheen. Which oh, yeah, is, that was a thing. Which yeah. is outrageous. Um, so she makes fantastic decisions. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> she played a Bond girl called, whose first name was Christmas. She played Christmas Jones. <laughs> 
which is the only Bond girl name that was written for the last line of a movie ever. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. And <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> and the last line is something like Christmas uh, only said, comes once a year. And it's something. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, he's like, hmm, I thought Christmas only comes once a year. <laughs> Christ. You're like, yes, yes. I watched so this whole smooth. bad Bond movie so for smooth. that. That's my payoff? <laughs> Come on. Um, She's also a nuclear physicist. <laughs> which is no, no, that part was totally believable. Completely unbelievable. Um, uh, yeah, so noted, <laughs> noted strong decision maker and uh, excellent like life choice expert Denise Richards is in this. <laughs> and um, what I noticed uh, in this... Sorry, Denise. Um, and... <laughs> Inevitably, because she's doing be, just fine. Yeah, like, you know, she's she's listening to this on the train to work right now, <laughs> and she's furious. No, like um, I noticed that um, in this film, uh, every I like that she gets the train every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Um, uh, every time she delivers a line in this film, if you keep watching her after she stops talking, she kind of goes into sleep mode until <laughs> uh, until somebody delivers a line back, and then you kind of just see her going <laughs> back in, and then like. And then, like <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, and then she's like acting mode, right. engaged, and carries on. She yeah, it's like her eyes kind of come, and then... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I genuinely feel like she powers down every time that she stops talking. Like, the minute that she stops talking, I feel like she just goes... She is diabolical. Maybe yeah, she's like, a ro- <laughs> maybe she's like a robot. Maybe she's like a... Do- I mean, look, she's stunning. She right? I mean, yeah, she's absolutely, absolutely yeah, yeah, as photogenic yeah, 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 yeah. as a human being can get. And she's standing us to Casper Van Dien. Damn it! But uh, yeah, it's and she's got the the eyes and the and the limb, the pat and the and and the, the she's got a great smile. Got and, and this is ba- yeah, and I mean it works. It's fine. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah, I I've totally turned that right. Okay. You know what? Humbly withdrawn. Never Ex- mind. Except for <laughs> wait, watch me drive this ship. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Totally believable. Actually, that was the be- the best performance part of that. Was driving those giant ships. It was great. I actually, and jumping ahead a little bit again, I really do not like the that kind of B story between her and Xander. I could do without that whole flying the ship thing. Just them sitting in seats in a cockpit for for like half an hour like, of well, the runtime. Like what it ends off. up being is that it it's that that necessary storyline with the. Um, the upper echelon and the and and the Casper Van Deens in the mobile infantry. It's like, oh, I'm a pilot and I'm an officer because we split off right away. Yeah. Because I scored differently on my test, or I came from a different place, or my parents were different people. So you have that obvious kind of trope of you couldn't ever be, not you, but I'm just. Staring at you. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Yeah, you, well, you, you totally can. You can do whatever you want to. You can do anything you set your mind but, to. But uh, you know, when they go through the thing and take the test and they get selected out and. It's kind of disappointing if you get mobile infantry, I guess, you know, but I'm going to be a pilot. They're and comfortably the two least engaging characters. They are. They deserve each other. But they look great. Frankly. Patrick Muldoon and Denise Rich, you, you would totally put them in those positions of being, oh, we're the cool pilots and we're better than them. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, Amy Smart's a pilot. In this yeah, movie. she is. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. What? Did you, yeah. not, did you not clock that? Her, uh, her co-pilot pal? Is Amy Smart? Yes. Oh my God, no! I watched this twice in anticipation <laughs> for this. And I did not know it's that. And I watched I know, Mirrors I like, last week. Like, 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 uh, Amy Smart's face is very fresh in my mind. I watched Mirrors you last week. You watched her tear it open. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it's like you've done a deep dive in it. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell! I should retire. And then, of course, don't forget everybody's favorite Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, and he, and he can do no wrong. Who, but th- at that beginning, you know, you kind of see where everybody kind of filters out, and that's sort of that 
conversation about who's who in high school also. Yeah. It's like you could tell the Neil Patrick Harris character wasn't as cool as Cass Van Dien in high school, but oh, he yeah. ends up becoming the colonel and figuring the, and saves you know, it's the one that ends up saving or becoming more important than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And Rico is just the grunt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah. it, you know, everything kind of goes like that, which is sort of like real world justice. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> know. No, just sort of like a real world example. Apparently, on set when he like when he's like the colonel, people were referring to him as Doogie Himmler. <laughs> which wow, I thought, which I thought was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, that's. But Doogie Howser was a great show, but yeah. it was a hard thing. I'm glad he's come out of that because he probably got shit for a long time. <laughs> Just the dooginess of it all. So sorry, much. Let's pull this linear again. Oh, <laughs> you're denying. <laughs> I'm trying to like so, I guess like, right. But so you like to say we had we almost lost, we almost lose uh, Rico. He almost goes home. Yeah, but I think we've, we've, we've jumped quite a considerable distance here. Rico does betray the words of his parents or the demands, quite frankly, of his parents. They threaten to cut him off, presumably cancel his credit cards and all that that fun stuff. Um, and he does go off and join the mobile infantry and is pursued in a rather creepy fashion by Dizzy, Dina Miles' character. Um, she follows him. Yeah. Despite constant rebuttals uh, for towards her affections, she still pursues him to the ends of the earth. Yeah. But that happens all the time. <laughs> and so it's like everybody goes, yep. I that was me, or that was me, or that was me, or I had that done. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it all, you're like, oh, this is real. Like just, just, just moved. It just moved to, moved to the future and, and bugs. And bugs especially. I watched Denise Richards is a pilot. <laughs> I watched this film on the train on the way down yesterday. And uh, there's a scene not long after they, they, they join the mobile infantry where there's a, an, an, an enormous and prolonged scene um, of a mass shiver moment with a lot of bum, boobs, bush, the lot. Um, and the guy next to me, um, yes. <laughs> I was just really aware of it. I totally forgot it was coming up. And I glanced around and he, he had a book that he wasn't reading. Uh, and he, he was kind of making side eyes. <laughs> at the uh, the screen, and then later on, when Casper Van Dien's trying to bang Dina Meyer, I can see his book go down again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was definitely a, a not safe for train movie, I guess. <laughs> well, that really bit, it totally. It, uh, as soon as it came on, I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> I, was like, I forgot about that, and uh, sure enough. But it is a massive amount of butts. But yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, yeah. in that shower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot about horseplay in the showers. Everyone loves that. Um, yeah, every, yeah. yeah. Th that is, that scene hides penises with military precision. Like, well, I mean, God forbid you show that, thing. right? I mean, we can show everything else, but... Yeah, uh, but that's uh, still off limits. Were you sort of unfair. Is it unfair? I think I so. Uh, I mean, like, do you think so? Yes. <laughs> All the women were like, yes, we want to see more cock. <laughs> and other dudes were like, no, we want to see less. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's really kind of unfair, but that's be been even. for a very long time, it right? It's... Uh, I think guys don't want to... Just, I think, aesthetically... Uh, unclothed females <laughs> are much more appealing <laughs> than unclothed dudes, but That's there true. is a fairness factor that is that is not represented very well. And if fifty-one percent of the population says we want more n new dudes in movies, then someone should put more new dudes in movies. Yeah, I did not expect to be campaigning so hard for this today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world. <laughs> Would you um. like to know more? <laughs> 
So there is, I mean, there's a certain um, inquisitiveness, I suppose, um, when you just... <laughs> Sorry, what? Like, it's... I don't know, like, it's like... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, I, I don't know, like, they're there. They're there, just, just show them. Yeah. Give us a look. I think actors are afraid because I think there is definitely <laughs> performance like anxiety, like stage fright issues, and like they're in a shower. We all know their shrinkage. Sure, that'd sure. be that'd be crazy. Apparently, Paul Verhoeven stripped off as well when he was directing that scene. And, and kind now of that's solidarity just weird. And solidarity. That's no. I don't need my director that involved. But I think that sort of shows you know kind of let's let's put everybody naked in a shower together and no one gives a shit. Yeah, like yeah, no yeah. one cares. There's no. Pretense. There's no preconceptions. There's no. Ooh, I'm scared in the corner. Even between the 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 men or the women in the room, yeah. the, like the guys aren't sitting up there going, "Ooh, yeah." You know, it's none <laughs> no, of no, that. no, none of that. Yeah. Or the women aren't sitting up there going, "Ooh, Rico's giant." You know, whatever. <laughs> um, look at Johnny's Rico, and <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's like a, it's pretty, well, pretty it's pretty well, progressive Johnny, in that way. That's what, it's just uh, no one cares. Yeah, I actually yeah. think it's a really good scene. It's very, very natural. Everybody's totally into it. Everyone's yeah, totally like connected, and, they're, and they're everyone's just everyone's having a good, just seems to be having a good time. Yeah, it's like right. talking about breakfast or whatever. It's like it's like oh, I had a great burrito. You know, it's great. Uh, but I think that also is a is a throwback to how things used to be, like way back in the day. Like, no one cared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got very prudish and puritanical only a couple hundred years ago. Like, so yeah, I guess, somewhere right? in the middle. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that's sort of an interesting. Uh, will that happen again? Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's really the question as you watch <laughs> Is this going to be, the, will this actually happen? Um, will, will the cockroaches revolt? <laughs> um, but then it's just really, it's a it's a whole room full of good-looking naked people. It's also that. So that's also a win. You know, it's like obvious. Thanks, Hollywood. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now get to the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like where the film kind of shifts, like kind of not out of story, but out of the kind of like the kind of baseline into the kind of action is when, like we say, there's kind of an incident. Johnny almost goes home. He almost leaves, kind of disgraced. And the reason that he stays is because he calls home, and then his hometown air quotes of Buenos Aires gets wiped <laughs> off, gets uh, wiped off, wiped off the map because uh, Clint Attlee are back on their bullshit. There's more bug meteorites and stuff like that, and um, and so his decision to stay is kind of like he doubles back on himself literally at the last minute, and that's kind of where it ships gears. Yeah, because well, one, he has nowhere else to go. Also true. And then it's also a revenge flick now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So now it's a revenge tale. Uh, I think it was a, I think it's a great scene where he's on the FaceTime <laughs> with this. <laughs> uh, the only thing that doesn't make that movie totally, uh, they didn't have a, lo- a little Apple logo <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. bottom of their, <laughs> of their video conference. Uh, but he's, his dad's like, son, well, you know, it's, is it getting cloudy? <laughs> you know, like I thought that was kind of cool, kind of obvious right on the nose, and all of a sudden it just blakes out. And his dad, it's, uh, right at that moment, there's a, there's a, a nice kind of his dad's kind of like, "I'm proud of you, son." It's finally, yeah, it's like you finally, you finally stuck with something, and then he gets fucking smushed. Yeah, and um, so that just makes the revenge tale even even sweeter, or you know, harsher for Rico. And you know, he runs out, and you know, you find out that we're at war. You know, and it's just crazy, and but he washes out too. You know, and it's very interesting that, I mean, I guess because that's the way the person wrote it, but that our hero at the exact same time that he was going to watch out, this, the planet gets attacked, and then, like, it's the perfect sliding doors moment. Because like, if it had been, like, two or three days earlier, like, he wouldn't have come back. That's true. Yeah. So thank God for timing of meteorites traveling through galaxies, right? Exactly, as the, as the old saying goes. How did he do that? 
How are they? How is it ever touched on how they're projecting these these things? Th- they do mention that I th- you know, and they, I think they hur- they hurl them or they they use their plasma farts to um you know kind of like push space rocks. I couldn't talk a- for about an hour about those plasma farts. That's revolting. That's the part you find revolting of <laughs> <in> Starship Trooper. <laughs> um, and with pr- I mean, you don't really have like you couldn't technically do precise shots from another galaxy with a rock at a you know that you've made with your butt fart oh no your plasma fart but it doesn't matter because it's so destructive and it's such a primitive type thing so what it is we have the super advanced like one world army that is fighting bugs that throw Mm -hmm. rocks and do more damage to earth than they do Later. But yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah, that yeah. too since we're going to the yeah, good. Okay. See, like oh, like right before we're kinda like when everyone's kinda gathering for like the oncoming war kind of thing, you get mm-hmm. this kind of you get this uh reunion of sorts between uh Rico and uh, Denise Richards character, uh Carmen and Xander. Xander. Who obviously they're both pilots now. Sure. And um there's this amazing scene where Rico and Xander have like an like an actual fight, like an actual brawl the in the middle of a swinging contest. Room. What? Yeah, the big dick swinging contest. Yeah, yeah. we're like, um, and I think at one point one suplexes the other onto a table. <laughs> and so it's like elbow dropping him and stuff like that. And that and like that fight has literally zero consequence. Like there's yeah. like nothing at all. They're just like so they, in the next scene, someone's like, "Let's get tattoos," and he's like, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's, like, it's a full on fight. Like ah, it's like an, it's in like my an experience, fight, fighting's just like like this. <laughs> 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 you mean for, no uh, su- there's for, no suplexes? For anyone who wasn't here, I, I did have a ridiculous mime. <laughs> um, but that, that's got to set up that rivalry because it's, it's about the girl and it's about the, the competition for that attention and, oh, he's better than me even though we were kind of equals before or I was better than him yeah. when we were in high school because... Once you leave high school, high school never counts again. Like it just doesn't yeah. <laughs> never count. And it's, a, ever and it's again. a total like kind of inner like rage moment for Rico, isn't it? Right, because he's like, I've always been better than you. You've always been a putz, and like I'm the guy, but now you're uh, like in a different class. So yeah, now we have a classism yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's certainly a message. And he has to announce that like as of right now, rank means nothing. Let's just go punch each other. <laughs> and it is a kind of very obvious, you know, '90s filmmaker uh, stunt coordinator. Yeah. It's not a very realistic <laughs> fight. That's really also, like high school. Look yeah. at what age are these people supposed to be? Rico's conservatively 30. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like 90210. And and everybody was and like, Patrick yeah. Muldoon, he, he's, he looks 40. <laughs> he, 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 could, he could be <laughs> like totally a different... He could have been the dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's had a hell of a paper round. The first attack from the kind of the humans on Quindathio is a fucking disaster. It's hilarious. Like an unbelievable miscalculation. Um, and they say, what is it, 100,000 dead in the first hour? Or yeah, something like that. Just like, I, I thought, like, the, the, I remember just thinking, I, was, I kind of thought that that was kind of where we're heading towards kind of like final, final showdown territory here. Then everyone got completely obliterated. And I was like, oh, right. I um, guess we're going to have to just uh, re-strategize here. That's, uh, but I think that's what's interesting, too, of... Uh, like they land on this planet and apparently we have not learned better military tactics. Let's just put a bunch of bodies on the ground and run them into a giant buzzsaw. But it also proves that if this is our future, that we haven't, like the population just went completely berserk. And there's like 74 billion people on Earth because we can, like that many are in the surface to get, and they <laughs> so get wiped out in you know in a day. At like, least there's a lot of humans. Yeah, like uh, three three hundred thousand people can can die in one go, and it's not just like a staffing crisis. That's right. Well, uh, <laughs> right. It, is the, it causes uh, some resignations in the higher ups in Geneva. 
Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is where all government work happens, it seems. Which is all kind of relayed through more of the kind of like the kind of propaganda video type stuff, which I think is kind of a useful way of getting story across, kind of mm. all the way through. Yeah, the 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 one sky marshal ha- gets demoted and <laughs> has to get replaced by someone else, and uh, you know, new new tactics, new plans. Sure. And I don't yeah. think I don't mm. think the new plans end up being that better. But we that we're, that's <laughs> later on in the movie. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't. I don't feel like the like the tactical acumen of what they end up doing is that is that much <laughs> different from the kind of like kamikaze thing that you see that goes disastrously. It's shambolic at best. There's a, mo- a moment where Neil Patrick Harris does like a training video, um, where he <laughs> teaches them the best way to kill to kill a bug. Yeah. Um, he's like, you got to aim for yeah. the brainstem, yeah. and he maybe takes seven shots, uh, seven rounds into this bug, kills it. Not one soldier listens to that at any point. They cons- they they pump hundreds of rounds into every single bug. Every single bug in that film takes hundred rounds before it falls down to the ground. And then sometimes they come back and stick you in the leg. Sure. That's true. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, I don't think the 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 tactics are very smart because I know I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but in the second wave or new tech, they nuke the planet and they strafe the bugs with Cuff flying vehicles. Yeah. Why don't you just do that the whole damn time? <laughs> you don't need to put one person on the surface. Just wipe them all out and then go down when it's done. Like we do now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we do that. Let's just bomb them for three weeks and then we'll finally put boots on the ground. But they put – they straight and then they put boots on the ground. But it's interesting because it is a throwback to kind of uh, World War Two up to Gulf War 91 military tactics of – you have an aerial bombardment for a little bit to soften the field, and then you put the bodies in there, which is just yeah. cannon fodder. And it's just—it's a commentary on that, which is like, hey, bodies. If you're in uniform, you're just disposable. Uh huh. Yeah, sure. yeah. And it's, you know, that's why we lose, you know, hundred thousand in the first hour or whatever it is. <laughs> but what I also love is that nothing has changed because there's going to be a blogger or a BBC reporter or a CNN reporter on the planet going, and they're just killing everybody. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, here's live footage. Of, like, there's always going to be a media person <laughs> there explaining exactly what's going on. Like, yeah. everybody's running in lava. And <laughs> I am too. It's like, it's, we're right here. Look at the lava. It's eating my feet. <laughs> and so that, I think that also shows our obsession with media and having to be there that someone's going to assign someone to go with, <laughs> and then someone's gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that the reporter gets it later. Spoiler. Sorry. Sorry. He actually that's dies okay. in the first. Five Is that the first one? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it replays again. Oh, that's right. Jump yeah, back a year go. at the start. It's, uh, they're also it's vocal. a disaster. Yeah. It's about. Chop. <laughs> snip. Uh, they're woefully underprepared, and they're basically wearing grey chinos and black t-shirts to fight these bugs. Like, yeah. They've not really put any money into. I guess, what would you call it, like proboscis defense? <laughs> the proboscis is later with the brain bug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is, we, yeah, all know, we all know what the brain bug is, uh, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, these great, there's no, yeah, body armor doesn't count. Like, they're very hard no, to kill. Yeah. Johnny Rico, he shoots a hole in one and throws a grenade in it and, like, rides it like a bunking bron- bucking bronco, <laughs> which is genius, which gets him the notoriety and, you know, yeah, so, yeah. so that's... You know, here's our hero. He's winning the game uh, with a football again. You know, yeah, it's, sure. uh, it's oh, the yeah, same yeah. thing. So yeah. it's all coming back. I think and, that earns uh, him one of his 17 field promotions. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. He has a, a incredible athleticism, uh, Johnny it, Rico. He uh, 
pulls off some outrageous manoeuvres, both as a soldier and as a, uh, I guess, an American football. Yeah, it's the same flips that we see in busting out kind of on the football field. Exactly. Uh, so the lame old laser ball, football, basketball court thing was, um, you know, just a, a, a setup to that payoff. Of not sure. <laughs> this is where his abilities come in. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't like this is what helps him and achieve what he's going to achieve. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all very tight. I mean, the story's actually, it works. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's I watch <laughs> it every time it's on, so it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> Had nothing to do with Dean Meyer, Denise Richards, or Amy Smart. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. Um, I, I think, that, like, yeah, like the second time when they go back and they kind of have their shit together a little more, that was another one of the things where it was like, see, when he blows a hole in the monster's back and th- uh, throws it inside, th- throws the gr- uh, grenade inside and stuff like that. I remember thinking, it's like I can kind of understand why people didn't know what to do with a blockbuster like this in '98. No doubt. And what it is, I, like you said, with the costuming, there's actually, the, I, I think the budget on the costume was huge because they have these great, you know, total Germany 1938 costume choices, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but it goes with everything else. But then kind of the infantry is sort of this um, futuristic look at what we currently had going on. Yeah. And it doesn't, we're like, those weapons are so big and unwieldy. Like, those are so dumb. But they can shoot a bazillion rounds. I've never seen anybody reload, <laughs> like you're saying. Yeah, no, right? no, no, so, no, so practically and tactically, it's it's not sound. But yeah, it's very clunky, and they're just running around, and there's nobody. But those would probably be great against other human. Like I don't. Sure. Oh yeah. Like I never saw Starship Troopers the movie. Like, what is this mobile infantry for? Like, how much threat is there in the galaxy? Because obviously, we're one world. We're not fighting each other anymore. Yeah. No. Apparently not. Yeah. 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 We're just fighting other planets of species but who are they like there could be a tv show like it to totally be the series and like every series is just this you know dealing with another you know solar system of of enemies no more bugs but you know yeah quite a a few films that we talk about in here i always end up thinking if you were going to remake it it would work as a 10-part netflix series or something like that where you like there's no different facets and things but there's no like landing craft like they just have landing craft that lets people out (laughs) <laughs> which are the most vulnerable. Like, there's no cu- there's no trucks, there's no Jeeps, there's no armored vehicles with big weaponry or anything. But then they set up these kind of forts yeah. that get overrun. One of them yeah. is a, a, a fort uh, run by Mormon extremists. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, see, like I said, they bring in a ton of real-life stuff. They're settlers. It's, yeah. it's the, you're crazy because you're going to go off into this foreign land and set up your own outpost. Mm-hmm. It's like the Lost Colony. It's, you know... It's like the Mormons going west and getting keep pushed into every state that they never, no one ever wanted them yeah. in, and then they just get wiped out by the sa- by the local savages. It's just repeating everything that we've already done, which I think the over, like you're saying, we never really learn technically how to fight these bugs. It's the whole overall concept of the story is we never learn, like we never, we just keep yeah. making the same mistakes throughout human civilization and we never learn yeah i i feel like like i say i feel like the second wave the fact that it goes any better than the first one is completely fortuitous yeah, I, <laughs> it, and it like, hey wait a minute okay what about this joined uh Ratchek's roughnecks yeah they get they get, they get moved to a new unit and in the doing of that also you get um uh dizzy dina meyer's character uh she hooks up with Rico. It, and fi- you know, it finally like, happens. But it yeah, finally like, happens, right? Whatever, what, what she's been waiting for, <laughs> what he's been avoiding for years. It's kind of weird that that's presented as almost her sole goal in the entire film to the point that, like, to jump ahead a little uh-huh. bit, when she eventually dies and they're talking to her, or he's talking to her, like, in death, 
and she was like, um, it's all right. I got to have you. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, very shallow character yeah, like, written. Like, he immediately yeah, no. moves, moves on, moves back to Denise Richards. He's he's like out of sight, out of mind. Ah, shit. And I was thinking it was like uh, unbelievably shallow characterization, and it was only in that moment where I was like, Jesus Christ! All man. it takes for him to actually decide, you know what? I'm going to do this. Is Ratchek says, kind of goes, go on. Oh, and he goes, go on. He goes, I get it. it. Just fuck, just fucking do it. Just do it. Yeah. He's just like, make it. that. He goes, be there in ten minutes. He goes, <laughs> make it twenty. <laughs> And then they have, of course, the little quippy lines like, Ten minutes, do we have time? He goes, we could do it. It's like, of course you can. <laughs> it's 20 minutes. Come on. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, really. <laughs> it's just efficient. It's though. not a James Bond movie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's real life out in the middle. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen in 10 minutes. <laughs> Probably twice. <laughs> If you're lucky, Casper Van Dien. Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about Ratchek for a minute? It's my understanding he's a, just a teacher. Yeah, initially, I think like, that's how he's framed. Um, and then, but yeah, he's kind of he's kind of a badass. Kind of, we tend well, cle- yeah, obviously he's got one, he's one arm and he's gruff, but he's just a teacher who very quickly becomes a decorated military, in one year, becomes a decorated military, well, I guess he'd be a lieutenant. I think... No, because I think he's an enlisted man. I think he he's uh, he comes in and he's kind of that. Isn't he a sergeant major or something? Like whatever. If they if they change the rankings, but he's that guy that leads that he could have probably not have to go in, but he did. Maybe to become a citizen or get tenure at the uni- at the school that he was <laughs> teaching at. But you know we've seen that story a lot too. And like mm-hmm. the most famous thing is you know where this. Except for he's a little more hard ass and badass, but mm-hmm. we have the same character in Saving Private Ryan, who used to just be a teacher. Yeah, and now he's thrown into this whole other thing where it's like, um, but everybody's like, he's just a teacher. It's like uh, teachers can do stuff too. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> they, they, they deal with more battles on a daily basis than almost oh, sure. everybody, right? Uh, but he's a great character because he is more just with an intellectual, but then he just becomes this like the hard ass because <laughs> I think. The fact that he is an intellectual, he knows what it takes to do that job, and you've got to, there's no transference, you've got to com- be completely, you know, numb to anything, and it comes down to his demise, and he's like, I'd expect you to do the exact same thing for me, and, you know, it's like, when, when he's getting eaten in half in the, in the fort, he's like, you know, it's like, Rico, he's like, I got it, and, you know, it has that thing, he's like, do it. Because you know that was going to happen as soon yeah. as, he, you know, as he took it out. He's, he seems like this completely heartless, you know, hard ass, but that's really the only way you survive in that situation. Mm. And um, I like his character in it because it's so over the top. And he loses a hand. He gets a nifty robot He hand. gets like Luke Skywalkered. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of things where we pick from other stuff. But again, like, it's like, okay, we're super in the future with all this technology. And we can travel to other solar sure. systems. Yeah. But you can't get a better fake hand. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that he can't even hold a weapon that which is your job. And he has to go, he goes... <laughs> even it's just have to, now it's just like a, 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 a table for his gun. It's just... <laughs> and it's not practical. I mean, maybe if it could, like, crush... Bugs? Like, if we had seen that, if we grabbed one and just crushed it in the neck, that would have oh. been a cool prosthetic. But I was like, I think we have better fake stuff now <laughs> with, like, fake hands than they had in the future. The 2197. Yeah. And it was like, come on. But it's Michael Ironside, so you know it can be better. Yeah, he's the best supporting character guy. One of the he's best. Supporting. He's yeah. he's so 
that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's I think, this, I think Michael Ironside and Clancy Brown elevate the film. Oh, what a great that Clancy! That's a whole because he's got the ultimate redemption at the end. Cause, yeah, yeah, he, he's he busts quicker. himself down at private <laughs> so he can go and see action again. That's yeah, right. pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we uh, like it's around here. We lose uh, Dina Meyer's character Dizzy. We lose her in battle. This is a point I, I've got nothing else to say once Dina Meyer's gone. <laughs> um, everyone kind of reunites briefly for a funeral, and I think uh, and I think that the funeral is kind of like obviously it's super serious, and they have this kind of very serious, very morose conversation, and then <laughs> our body's just like packed into a coffin and just mercilessly just horsed off out into space. <laughs> so it's everyone's what like, she would have standing really somberly and just like into the coffin, just disappearing. Like fuck, it's. Cold. Yeah, that's a um, unceremonious. Well, that, that's an old. That's Very an old. Kind of, it's super ceremonious. It's <laughs> the. It's the. You know, putting the sailors over the side. Okay. Uh, but my whole issue with the funeral. Why does she get one? <laughs> the hundred thousand people died in the first battle. Did they get shot? <laughs> I was like, that would be like take a four months to shoot all them out of the side of a ship. Well, like I why is she special? Because <laughs> she's. Dizzy? I think it was because she was the only person who died on the way off of the planet. I she <laughs> dies like on the. You're just mad that she died. We get it. We get it. <laughs> it's a great death scene, though. I mean, it's she. It's a tragic and it's slow motion, and then she's. It is. Sad. It is a good. Death it's scene. sad. It's sad. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I feel like you. They really did lose you at this point, didn't it? Yeah. He's totally out. Well, so I know, all I know. Anyway. What, have I, what have I got to look forward to now? I've got. Um, but I think one, one thing that I do on just thing that that bugs me about movies, and I'm probably ruining the scene for you because you this is probably your favorite movie of all time. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's why everyone's here. Yeah. When so we're on this ship in space that sure. has traveled to another galaxy or another solar system. Do we ever establish that Clanethu's in our galaxy, or is it um, that's where the nerd comes out, right? Mm. Uh, and they have this big thing, and the kind of production design of the roller table that it comes in is kind of clunky, and it's all shitty, and it's kind of cheap. I'm like, that ship would never make it in space. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like you could tell it's just like plywood and like painted cardboard, like like a student film almost. It's like I'm like, oh, someone should have put like different gears, and like it's just bouncing around, like it's so unstable, and it's always bothered me. And then. That's, yeah, that's what bothers fair. me about this movie. Is that the thing that took is you the out thing of it? that she rolls on to go out <laughs> into space? Oh, Mitch, yeah. there are some nifty clamps and gears in there. I, I fucking love that. We shit. all know that you're a you're a big fan of uh, mechanisms. A plus plus clamp action going on here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was I was watching it like, oh, Mitch is going to be so horny watching this. Space ass man, guys. So horny for the clamps. Can we please not make this a thing? Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I just let that, it became a thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're kind of pulling in towards the kind of final showdown of this thing now. Yeah. Um, which involves, I think, uh, when everyone kind of hits the ground, and we're talking about proboscis deaths earlier. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, 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 but oh. we didn't have the party scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before she... We, and the electric violin the and the football, violin. that's just the craziest... Oh, we, yeah, we have to... That's so that. corny. We have to address... Is the electric violin cool or totally lame? Cool as fuck. Really? See? Really? Green okay, then I'll go with that. Just, see, by, by show of hands, Jake Busey, electric violin, hands up for cool. Okay, that's like maybe one. I think we've got an even split. It of, might be even split. Okay, then I don't feel shit. so bad, like, being bothered so bad by that. I don't maybe that. it's not the fact that it's a green electric kind of acrylic violin, but that Jake Busey gets really into playing it. Yeah, sure. Like oh, I mean, he, he 
Dizzy and uh, <laughs> Dizzy and Rico are like having this real moment, gazing into oh, each other's eyes, and he's I mean, fucking right there in front yeah, of us. Like, yeah, for, it's, for ages. It's so cool. Like, like, like fuck what? off. Like, it's like, come on, creepy, get away. <laughs> you're like, you're way into playing your invisible violin. So, uh, how's all this going? Possibly the most dangerous place in the world to have a kegger as well. It, like, the they, most dangerous environment to have a kegger. They do, but it also, I mean, it's. It's the hey, if you're life and death situations, you gotta have a little football, a little violin, a, some pints, and you gotta have a sex scene. I guess. Sure. Uh, they obviously bought that violin just for Jake Busey. Well, and packed well, because he had played one before uh, early, right? Because we set it up that he can mm-hmm. play it, which yeah. I, I don't even know if we needed that exposition in this movie. I, I think that I would have been happy to take it at face value that he could just play it's the like, violin. Like, wow, he just <laughs> plays. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think everybody can do something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> now, what would have been even worse if all of a sudden there was just like a bunch of other instruments and they started like a jam band? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been like, you know, there's like invisible drums. And just, you know, some guy just, yeah. And, you know, big stand-up invisible bass. And yeah. just bonk. <laughs> but he gets really corny. Maybe it's just that Jake Busey's performance that I don't like because we were talking about this earlier. I was like... It's so weird. <laughs> and it's Eat. green. Yeah. I, uh, it glows. I find it very difficult to get a read on. I, I've seen this twice now, and I still don't know if I think that Jake Busey is good in this or not. I, it, it, he's, na- he's nightmare fuel. I agree, but like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I usually try not to talk poorly about other human beings acting performances in movies now sometimes you just get it and doesn't matter like you can you can say that was not good i don't know i mean i think that's just him like i we were talking before i think the thing that creeps me out even more is jake Busey as the kind of end of the world preacher in contact Mm. like as a role for some guy that you're like are you in this movie because you're gary Busey's son or you're in this movie because you can pull off this role and the answer is yes to begin with. But now he's totally a thing, which is rad. So who cares why you're there? Now you're there. Now he's in the new Predator. Yeah. And, then he is, and, and he's, it's, he's actually awesome in it because he's – I don't want to – anybody see the new Predator? Nope. I, I was about to say four people. Um, go see it. It's, <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally worth seeing. It's a little disconnected and disjointed, but that's a, that's a studio thing. Not, I want to see – oh, we didn't finish our conversation. Uh, I want to see the. Oh, I want to see the. I want to see the. I want to see the director's cut of that movie, <laughs> right? Because oh. that's that's at least twenty five minutes. That's not in the Predator. This is weird. We were totally talking about this before we started, and so that's what I want to see is is that twenty five minutes that's missing because it's totally good. Okay, good. So we wrap that up, guys. Should we yeah, okay. like, like, yeah, like we we we'll uh, leave like like, <laughs> like like we can hit no. We'll never we we'll never like. see the director's cut of the Predator, but I want to see the director's cut of the new Predator because the whole movie makes sense. Episode twenty six in defense of Predator. <laughs> but no, Jake Busey. I, Maybe he's such a force on screen that he kind of like you instantly go to him whenever he's yeah. on it or something. Is that what it is? She's like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, J- she's like Jake Busey fan club right here. Yeah. But I think he's great because he's Jake Busey. Okay. Yeah. Well then. Yeah. And he's really tall. That's certainly true. And has like a mouthful of piano keys. <laughs> 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 he does, man. <laughs> oh yeah. So we had the the like. Okay. So now we move. That's good. Like, yeah. Like, that's cool. Um, I had actually, and this is really sad, but I forgot to bring it. I made it at some hotel room. I had made a big pair of fake cardboard teeth that I was going to wear at this point, but I left them in my hotel room. Oh, I'm really Wait, this could be good <laughs> Halloween costumes. Like um, we could go as the Roughnecks. Oh yeah. And we could do like we could do Sharpie tattoos. 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we could put on like cardboard yeah. body yeah. armor. And you could be uh, not LL Cool J, that guy, uh, the guy no. that's in the guy that's <laughs> in the Walking Dead. No, you're Patrick Muldoon, totally. Oh no, there you go. He's the pilot. <laughs> Thank you. You're you're, <laughs> you're obviously Jake Busey. <laughs> or you could be dizzy. <laughs> oh, he's like, that. oh wait, that could be kind of weird and cool. <laughs> I'll think about that later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm Mike. obviously Michael Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Much. Bring this home, baby. Bring it home. Uh, not really. T- I, I guess we're just in the final standoff. I think Xander's death is absolutely brutal in this film. Right. Because he gets he, he uh, gets proboscis through the head, if you like. We're uh, Yes, so we're down underground. Mm-hmm. We've been hunting these brain bugs, sure. which we have. It's been alluded to by Neil Patrick Harris's character, and then it gets through. It's like we think there's a smart bug because we see what f- four different types of bugs. You got a flying oh, ones, you got a standard drone type bug. Yeah, and got. then the, the little ones that the little kind of scarab beetle looking yep. ones. You've yeah. got, the, you got the, the farting guy, the the farting those guy. Those guys. And you've got Fire Guy, who appears at one, who appears the towards the end, f- the Fire Breather Guy. That's the one that he shoots the hole in, and yeah, yeah, and th- he's got antenna, like Godzilla enemy um, antenna. But yeah, we have the brain bug, sure, uh, yeah, which sucks the brains out of people. Yes, correct. and, and we all know exactly what the brain bug is modeled at. I mean, it, well, it's, it's a pussy. Yeah, oh, you said it. Um, <laughs> If anything, oh, I, if anything was designed so I to think look that's more part like of the a story pussy, in there t- uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't either. Um, which is very, but it's also like just it's got to be ca- it's carried around like on the little backs of the scarab beetles, which is totally cool. <laughs> and I, I think yeah, I think it's a it's like hey, this is the most important thing on this planet, and it will suck the brains right out of you. Um, <laughs> but then it scares. Okay, I know it's ninety something, but like it, that's pretty decent effects where he's sucking on his face, yeah, is caving so. in. It's like yeah. you got to give it credit where credit is due. It's Absolutely. pretty cool effect. Quite a forceful suck there. to implode a man's face. It's look, 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 in it goes right through because we get alluded to when they do the fort and well, they see the other guys. What does it look uh, like? Was a weird uh, oh, that's one of Michael Ironside's best lines. Go on, because he goes. They sucked his brains out. <laughs> <laughs> he's got brain matter all over. Yeah, him. And he's like steel digits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's crazy. like this, and it's he just says it like that's the most vile thing you could do to like your trooper or something. They sucked his brains. <laughs> I have it on my phone. I use it as like a little. Response to texts. <laughs> oh, I just do that little scene, and it's just it's just him turning to it. He goes, "They sucked his brains out." I'll send it to you if you want. No, no, that's, yeah, please. That'd please be good, man. Yeah, cheers. But yeah, okay. So yeah, we're, in the, we're in the final. We got the brain bug. Um, Xander's gone. Z- Xander is now gone, and Denise Richards is has been stabbed through the shoulder. Through the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, Doesn't seem to feel any any lasting effects. She wields yeah, it hurts a gun, no problem. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. she delivers a line and then goes into sleep mode. <laughs> <laughs> sure. She's like, oh! <laughs> Johnny. 
Um, I see you in one month. I feel, I feel like we're rocking on Denise Richards a little bit too much here. But then, like, the, he passes with a knife, and then, like, she she rises up as hero. I th- am I wrong? Does she cut the thing off Proboscis. with, yeah, with she cuts the same off. arm that she just got stabbed in? Oh, I. Uh, I'm not sure if that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, Teaching um, a lot at pilot school. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you have a little bit of survival training if in any pilot school, right? And um, so she writes, you know, she's she's now in this peril. Sure. And, um, you know, facing the, you know, the, the big enemy. But what we do learn is that there's that that's not the only brain. There's more brain. There's multiple brain yeah. bugs on the planet. So the, the more to fight, which leads to Starship Troopers, too. Because all so many questions got unanswered in this one, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so Muldoon's dead, Dizzy's dead. So now there's a thing where he's like, oh, Rico and and Carmen can get back together yeah. finally. Because we have to have all a it takes is losing your losing your real loves uh, to find your way back to the the one that broke your heart. She said, "I love her uh, video, dear John letter that she sends him." That's oh, cold yeah. as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> super <laughs> cool. <laughs> It's like a breakup infomercial. It, we were talking about. That. It, was, it was. It was like a bad mixtape, vi- video mixtape that went totally wrong. <laughs> um, but Rico, I guess, is clairvoyant because he still has this connection with her because mm. he has two paths to go down, and he chooses the right one telepathically. He's like, "No, she's still alive. <laughs> I can feel it." Actually, that was a much better delivery of that line than he gives <laughs> in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, "Carmen's still alive." <laughs> He's got a very high-pitched voice for such a masculine-looking man. It is, yeah. It's the squareness of his jaw doesn't, I guess, it get the vocal cords. Vocal cords. True. Does um, anybody have any points or questions about Starship Troopers that they would like to bring yeah, up? Yeah. Um, uh, anyone who has a question gets a, a dip into the Arrow Video goodie bag. Inc- uh, incidentally, where is the Arrow Video goodie bag? It's residing by, Arrow my, video. by my <laughs> by my side. Excellent. Okay. Uh, yeah. At this point, because uh, because yeah, but at this point we're basically out. Yeah. Because they capture the uh, humans win. Hey, they capture the mo- they, like they capture the monster, take it home, and you kind of oh, torture, fu- torture the fuck. And they out tor- of it. yeah, that's right. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, that's is actually, they tortured it really inhumanely. <laughs> but Neil Patrick Harris' character is telepathic. Yeah, he is. Yes. Cool. Right, so we, we didn't touch on that right, at all. At all. Yeah. Um, and they also have that giant scene where Carmen saves her ship because they start laser pooting. Sorry, what? You know, in the fleet, just before, Laser just before all that, right? Laser poon. Laser poots. Oh, right. Okay. Right. okay That's sorry. like plasma farts and laser right. poots. Right. Okay, got you. Plasma poots is even better. I just made it. No, but, uh, yeah. They destroy the whole fleet. That's why Carmen crashes and they get on the, yeah. they escape. It's, um, it, that's uh, devastating. Yeah. I, I guess they must have a lot of, like, hot sauce or burritos on that bug planet to have laser poots <laughs> like that. I don't know. <laughs> what? What is the food stuff for the for the bugs on that? Because all it is is rocks. Maybe That's so true. There's no. There's Do they eat other bugs? Yeah, there's no obvious. It's just other bugs. Yeah, yeah like no, they must be cannibals. Because most bugs are vegetation, or what? herbivores, right? Or herbivores, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> bugs are not. I was going to say bugs are not vegetation. I've seen this movie a million times. Speaking as an expert, I've seen this movie a million times. I saw one plant on a bug planet. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't have an answer for that. I've got nothing. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I've got nothing. Like you chose the film, man. I don't know. You're supposed to have all the answers. <laughs> all right. Anyone, well, was anyone have a question? She had a question. Had a question. An to, uh, yes, Faye. What's with all the flips? We, we, you might want to speak into the microphone just because we're recording this, you know. Um, what's with all the flips? There's a lot of flipping going on in the film. Just like, oh, I'm going to flip over these 12 people. And when they're in the fight, oh, I'm going to flip you onto this table. I like physical <laughs> flips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's certainly not showboating. That's, that's called 90s. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, sorry, you get you get a dip <laughs> into the. Into it's called the super nineties stuff. It's all manner of stuff coordinating. Yeah. Yeah, an arrow video badge. Yeah, I think yeah. it's mostly to see the like to give like the kind of skills that he shows on the football field. I think that it's to just show that they have practical use in real life. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does do like. 17 cartwheels in the football game or yeah, something. Yeah, that are a And then lot. Makes, it makes the winning pass. So I think it's just a setup is really all it is for him. Uh, but, yeah, they're very unrealistic. <laughs> I'd say that was certainly, um, from a plausibility angle, that was the thing that I struggled with the most. All the flipping. Yeah, all the flipping. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the flipping uh, is what you have a problem with, the Starship yeah. Troopers. Well said. Uh, anybody else? Oh, yes, yes, sir. Do you think that the film is on the authorized Mar U.S. Marine watch list? Because the book is on the new entry level for uh, U.S. Marines official reading list. That's an amazing anecdote. <laughs> um, and if it is, if the movie is on it, it's in the category of what not to do. But also how to rise up. But if you were a if you were the high school quarterback, but can't do anything else, you can make it in the Marines. Beautiful. Oh, it's like a propaganda Beautiful. piece. <gasps> oh, ta-da! <laughs> the book is on the like a real. That's <laughs> wait for your Marines or our Marines. No, no, your Marines. Oh, okay, <laughs> that totally makes sense. Then. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to the uh, the, impo the improper ones. U.S. Marines, that's a whole other division. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. I I want to um, now go reread that book and figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that uh, really what it is is because most of the, anything infantry minded wise, it's sort of that you're part of something bigger than yourself. You got it's about self sacrifice. You're a part of it. It doesn't matter. You're fighting for the guy next to you or the girl on the right of you. If it's Starship Troopers. And uh, that's probably why it's in there because I'm, I'm sure the book is just loaded and lathered up with, you know, kind of that, that syrupy rah-rah. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's very right wing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's probably a little bit more, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah, that. Now, honestly, it's, you know, whether, you, whether you're pro-military or not pro-military or I'm not, I'm not anti-military. I just don't like, like, I think armed conflict is a little tough like uh -huh. i think there's other ways to do it but not everybody thinks that way <laughs> including so. not people you know that are in my camp but um <laughs> yeah that that certainly plays into it because that's so, the whole mentality of it how do you get a bunch of people to go when your natural instinct is to run away from fire or danger or people shooting at you you've got to completely switch someone's brains the way they naturally work to go run towards it and uh, they do a very good job of that in Starship Troopers because it is like, rah, rah, run, go in there, bugs, I'm dead, it's over. <laughs> 100,000, one yeah. hour. Yeah. <laughs> 100,000 in one yeah. hour, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, anybody else? Oh, come on. This oh, oh hang on, I'm coming around. Yeah, there, it's like a tie. Here. It's a tie. Good God, man. <laughs> okay, so there's many, like, plot holes and things that don't necessarily make sense, obviously. Outrageous, continue. Such but, as? Uh, such as, it's never explained why he's listed as, like, killed in action when he's actually just in some giant tank healing from his wounds. Yeah, yeah he's, like he's, like he's like missing the back to what, tank. What is that? Why is he killed the in action? The nerd came out again. <laughs> I know it's called back to... Um, <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> I don't know what it's called in Starship Troopers. I think that is 
reminiscent of current where information is never up to date even in a futuristic technology where they, it sh- it should be very it's it's a mistake and that that happens more than i think that happens more than just watch the news they're always wrong first and they're like oh by the way we were wrong an hour and a half ago um here's the real story um in in that hour and a half people freaked the fuck out uh-huh. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. and i think that's sort of one of those things where information especially during war and during conflict is oh is usually not correct and fuck, it was a hundred thousand people. Like, give them a yeah. break. It was like they made one mistake. <laughs> <laughs> now, the odds of it being the hero of the movie that was pretty coincidental. But I think they wrote it that way. It, it does allow Denise Richards an opportunity to flex her emotional muscle. <laughs> she does, and she goes there like she's Juddy. <laughs> <That's laughs> yep, yeah, I think she okay. only says Johnny in this movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello. Being that Mitch is more musically orientated, what do you think of the score when you first watched it? Because I think the score's pretty badass. I think the score's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, uh, especially I think, like, when they're first kind of gearing up for the first kind of attacking Clendathu, especially, I think that it's it's very dramatic, but also feels very all American in a way that I can't quantify (laughs) as well. (laughs) Oh, no, it's certainly that. It's certainly marching music. It's certainly, you know, hype up the adrenal glands music. Totally, it's definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, yeah well, but you guys invented the first of that. That was the bagpipes. That's amazing. Like, nothing gets you more hyped <laughs> up to go kill other people than the bagpipes. That's uh, true. I, that's true. That was me. I consider the bagpipes to be one of the most offensive sounds in the world. I fucking hate oh. the bagpipes. I hate the bagpipes. <laughs> Sorry to my, sorry to my any countryman of mine, but fucking, fucking awful. But yeah, I think no, the score is right. I think it plays in that because it's got to give that feeling of of a bad '90s movie at the same time as like sort of a, you know a, a a combat kind of celebration, rah rah. Yeah, I think what would later come to be known as like an America fuck yeah kind of thing. Ooh yeah, freedom yeah. freedom cost a buck oh five. But yeah, I, I thought it was good, man. I agree. Uh, <laughs> No, not at oh, all. Oh, no, I can't. Yeah, there's no way. Well, if in, nothing else in this movie is subtle, why would the music be <laughs> subtle? I mean, it's like I almost think that needs to be almost more over the top. It, it, it would have been amazing if it had been like Starship Troopers with music by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody else got anything? We've still got some stuff to give away if anyone's got anything they want to ask. Oh, Darren? You're the last one, Darren. Uh, there's a scene right at the end where Caspar Van Dien is leading his troops obviously into the next battle and he says something along the lines of, come on you apes, do you want to live forever? But it's delivered in such a way, I mean, how inspired would you be at him delivering it in that way? Because I would just think, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says more about you, Darren. Than <laughs> well, that's, the, that's his, um, you know, kind of s- his final step up to where he's found his place because he's replacing Michael Ironside who told him that same exact line. So we're like, oh, our hero, he's found his spot, and there it is. But it's like, actually, you're just in, you're just one guy in line of 30 that's going to happen to. And because Michael Ironside's dead, probably the guy before him said it just like that guy. Well, you look, look, we start, like, no one's delivery is fantastic in this movie. And I'm going to chalk it up to that was all the big meeting with all the actors that Verhoeven said. It's like, okay, look, we're going to kind of do this. Like, if you're going to do this scene correct, like what we would expect as in good acting. And we're like, yeah. And they're like, go over here just a second. And, and we're going to do the whole movie like that. 
So deliver your lines a little off pace, do it like inflection, mess it up a little bit, or let's make a hundred million dollar B movie. Yep, and that's what you get. That's what you got. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's a hundred million dollar B movie. They wanted to spend. Look, you could have put, and I don't know like the backstory of this movie in, in the early nineties because I was when they were making this movie, I was in college, and so. I wasn't anywhere near Hollywood, L.A., so I didn't know, like, I don't know anybody that was making this movie, except for Tom Woodruff, but I wasn't hanging out with him at that time. Okay. And you're like, is this, the, I think we're going to do this to begin with and get a bunch of actors, like new actors that no one really knows, or should we go out and get Tom Cruise as Johnny Rico? Totally different movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Chew on that. <laughs> I think that was a point well made. Oh, are there no Tom Cruise fans in here? Am I the only one? <laughs> I'm totally a Tom Cruise yeah. fan. But like, do you think of A-list, and there's no A-list actress in this movie at all. But it's a $100 million movie. Million That's dollars. the movies that A-list actors are in. So it's such, such a weird movie to begin like, with. Like, there are so many moments in there where like, genuinely something happened, and I was like, $100 million, man. Yeah, you're, like, you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, I, now, if I was in Starship, I would have loved it. That'd have been great. I would have loved to have been in Starship Troopers. Uh, but we all want to be in the movies that we like, <laughs> even if they are terribly good. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're just look. It's Casper Van Dien and Denise Richards. And that they're phenomenal to look at. And that only gets you so far. <laughs> it, it gets uh, now. Now, fast forward, which was great. Uh, until about th three years ago, I have a good friend of mine who she's a she's a producer and she makes movies. And for the last couple, she she makes other ones too. But she's been making a lot of Lifetime movies. Bless her heart. And uh, <laughs> but th those are really hard. Like they're super low budget, and you got to shoot them in like fourteen days, and they're just ass. <laughs> and wow. I've I've been in a couple of her movies, and I've worked on a couple of her movies. I've like I've been like an actor in her movie, and I've been like the lowest PA on one of her sets and movies. Pretty cool. But one she did. With Dina Meyer. Oh, my. And Dina Meyer was playing, she was playing the, you're, you're going to go log into Lifetime.com and watch this movie. <laughs> you totally should because she plays the uh, evil, older cougar seductress of the kid in the neighborhood who's 17. <laughs> if only. And Andy's like, I'm in. I just renewed my subscription to Lifetime.com. Lifetime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that so I, I, got to, like, I, I saw that movie and she was working on with Dina Meyer. I was like, you're doing a, a movie with Dizzy? <laughs> I, was like, <sighs> I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> so can you put Jake Busey in it? <laughs> <laughs> so just remake Starship Trippers all over again. Like, on a lifetime budget. The first, uh, it's the first Lifetime movie that was set on Glenn's Effie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the stragglers that got left behind. <laughs> and it becomes like a, like a, a bug Jake Busey relationship movie and... You know, it's like all misunderstood. Yeah. It's like I'm just a bug standing in front of a human. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my Notting Hill joke got it right. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> um, but I think you should just take everybody that was in Starship Troopers and make a whole other movie with just the same people. I've always, I always want to see that happen. <laughs> like, what is happening here? <laughs> um. Andrew, before we finish up, I mm. want to speak a little bit about Wolfman's Got Nards. I've heard of it. Are you familiar? <laughs> yeah, I am a little okay. bit, yes. Um, uh, Is anybody else? Yes. Anybody yeah. seen uh -huh. it? Where'd you see it? 
Thank you. I was going <laughs> to guess that because it's pretty on the nose. I don't know if you, fl- you know, flew to like New York last week to see it, but uh, <laughs> so you've seen it. Okay, good. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, so obviously it's screening here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is it? I believe so. I, yeah. I think that's yes. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> Otherwise, I just show up in Sheffield randomly for some awesomeness. I just came to do your <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah. And we appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Would, uh, thanks for doing that, man. I totally <laughs> do it again. Totally do it again too. There's other movies like Showgirls. <laughs> we just have a Verhoeven podcast month. <laughs> Go. So yes, Wolfman's got Narn. Yeah. Do you want to just like do you want to talk a little bit about it? Has anybody? This is to the people in the audience, listeners on the podcast. Has anybody seen Monster Squad? Yes. Okay. Has anybody not seen Monster Squad? Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and it's totally fine. Most people don't know, like, I don't want to admit it. Uh, it's totally fine. That's sort of place. the point of the history of the Monster Squad. Like, nobody saw it when it came out, and so the movie bombed. But what was very interesting is for a movie that was a, a pretty decent budget back in the day, uh, that was sort of a, um, a very unique story of the little rascals fighting the classic universal monsters. What would that look like? You have the Monster Squad. Uh, why this movie did not do well, totally bombed in the, in the box office okay. for a number of reasons. Some of the reasons is ratings. In the States, it was PG-13. Uh, in the UK, it was uh, 15 rating. 15, okay. It was 15. And we touch on that a little bit in, in the documentary. But what's very interesting is whenever people end up finding this movie, some saw it in the movie theater, some saw it in the local video store, and some saw it on cable or HBO. They connected with it. And no one really knew that until about 2006. We did a cast reunion screening at uh, the original Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Austin, Texas. And by 2006, we'd had the internet, and people could connect, and this just kind of went bonkers. And in 2007, Lionsgate ended up putting out a a double-disc DVD with special features and deleted scenes, and that was their (laughs) their highest-selling DVD of of that season of a movie that was 20 years old at the time that no one ever saw, and it just went bonkers. And so for the last 10, 12 years, it's been nonstop resurgence of this movie that just never died. During that time, I'm obviously, you know, I'm I'm in the Monster Squad. I'm I'm the, the 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 lead the leader of the Monster Squad, the lead in the movie, and I'm sort of that kind of de facto kind of front person with the fan base that has just grown and grown and grown and grown, and it's original fans that found each other. It's like, oh, I saw it in the theater. I saw it on a VHS, and let's get together. Or no, I used to pass this tape around my neighborhood. Or I recommended this to my to my cousin, and then now we all love it. Or this was my dad showed me this movie when I was a kid, and that's our yeah. thing every Christmas. So I kept hearing these amazing stories over the last ten years, and I, you know, we all thought sort of after the resurgence kind of started, it would kind of wane or die off after about a year or two. And that hasn't happened. It's just continually to go on this upward trajectory of this amazing fan base. And I tried to look at other movies or fan bases. Look. We all, you know, movies have fans. They have giant, you know, fan followings. They're, the whole world of fandom is become this juggernaut on its own beast. That's like a total, like, subculture. It, it, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. That will probably be launching its own plasma poots at some point. Um, <laughs> they already started having it. You know, it's weird. I, I don't know of any other movie that didn't do well that has this audience that is super loyal and really connected to the characters or the story or somehow... And about two years ago, I, I, I started thinking of a crazy idea of, look, we're coming up to the <coughs> 30th anniversary of this movie. <laughs> We've heard some amazing stories about individuals, how it's 
impacted their life, how it's affected their life, how it's actually um, the reason they do what they do today. And I don't mean like being a serial killer. I mean by like being like a director or like an effects <laughs> being person a, being a or that's right. Um, in and these these amazing stories and even celebrities and other directors and things like that that are that are affected by this movie. Um, I said that'd be kind of a neat idea. How how do you make a story out of those stories? And that was the original concept of Wolfman's Got Nards. And I got hooked up with um, my producer Henry McComas, who will be here tomorrow or later tonight, technically. And we started developing the idea of what we could do. Now, my first idea was to just go around on the 30th anniversary or all these conventions and screenings and all this stuff and just have like a used 4K camera and me and Ryan and actually we'd go around and just talk to fans on the street and just be like, ah, it's great, Muscle Squad, woo, we love it. And uh, why? And then get some, you know, and stuff and then have our friend edit it together for free and like put it on the internet for like a dollar, like on, on our website or something. <laughs> And then we realized that there was a, something a lot more there. And those of you who saw it know that wasn't, you know, some just little shitty off-the-cuff type of production. We put a lot of work into this, and, and the production team at Pilgrim, uh, led by Henry, was, um, I mean, just did a ton of work in less than a year to put this movie um, from start to finish. And I think we really connected with what we were trying to do is find out why this movie connected with people, why it impacted people, but we also went deeper. Why do movies as a whole connect with people? Uh, why does the horror genre connect? Why are, why are we all a family? Why, do, why are there more genre film festivals or conventions than just regular, you know, normal stuff? <laughs> normal stuff, right? Boy, when you're in my way, you're just like, we're the normal ones. All those squares are like, you know, they're the weirdos. But mentioning that, you know, we, we kind of realized that as a theme, and, and you saw it, we hit on it more than a number of times. Yeah, it can affect people individually. We go into what is cult? Is this a cult? What is cult film? Um, should this be a cult film? Uh, has that changed over the years? And we get a couple different answers. And then we, you know, it's, it's this overall thing of why this movie connected with people so deeply is that it's a movie of a group of misfits that are the ones that come together to end up saving the world. And everybody connected with a part of that somehow, whether it's one of the characters or more than one of the characters. Someone's like, I was Phoebe. I was a little sister that, you know, my brother never let me hang around. Or I was Horace. You know, more people connect with Horace and his story arc in this movie. And um, some people come to me and goes, I was you. I was, you know, I was the guy that told all my friends what to do. And, like, they they got together at my house. And then everybody wanted to be Rudy. But not everybody is Rudy, <laughs> right? And because uh, he's the cool one, and like you know, he's everybody's favorite badass. And it was just fascinating to go on this uh, kind of year-long journey. Oh, that sounds so filmmakery. Went on this year-long journey and made yeah, a movie. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Fil- <laughs> filmmakers are so lame. Um, you looking at me? <laughs> but to really actually connect <laughs> even deeper with. Uh, <laughs> With um, that, I mean, not all filmmakers, just some, um, to connect with these fans even deeper than we have over the last ten or twelve years, and to really find out how something can change someone's life or mean so much to them that they watch it, you know, whenever they can, or every Christmas, or every Halloween, or every birthday, you know, they get together. It's like we only had ninety minutes to to, to finish a documentary, and we have hours and hours and hours of other movies that we could have shown of how many stories we got that were just awesome. I mean, look, there's some famous people that we put on camera that aren't even in this movie because as we were making this documentary, it changes as it grows and it starts to tell its own story. And where we started is not where we ended up, and uh, where we ended up was 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 a lot deeper and a lot better and, and and very interesting. 
and I'm very pleased with it, and I'm super stoked with the reaction that we've been getting mm-hmm. over the last five or six months festivaling, coming to cool stuff like Celluloid Screams and uh, Fright Fest, because the Prince Charles Cinema was in the movie, because we did a screening the year before, and we brought the crew. Uh, and interestingly enough, we ran into, because we learned the story of the 15 rating that you had, that also holds up to this day, and we had a fan who was like 12 who came with her mom to see that screening last year and wasn't allowed in the movie theater. Oh, oh man. And, but she's amazing. I mean, that little story is heartbreaking. You've seen it, right? I mean, she's, it's so cute. Her name's Allegra. So we'll just, you can come see it and watch her. It's just really great to see the response for it, and I think we kind of hit some of the targets that we were hoping were out there. You know, because you you can think of something and not realize that it's there, or you don't even know something is there, and that's the biggest deal that people connect with. But there's a lot in this documentary. It doesn't. Has anybody seen like Back in Time or Best Worst Movie? Yeah. This is not that. <laughs> <laughs> this and this is also is not like a definitive making of documentary of your favorite goofy movie or. I don't think anybody's making a making of Starship Troopers documentary yet, but they should. I'm thinking about it in in the style of the news media crew from. That's just genius, right? Yep. Let's do it. it. It's just been really fascinating that uh, it it, it kind of worked out and and how now this documentary is connecting and impacting people just like the movie did, and it's giving you know Monster Squad fans, which are so unique. I, was, I don't know any other fan base like that Monster Squad core. And, and look, I'm, I'm probably totally biased, but I try not to be because I'm so inside of that kind of world with Monster Squad because I've now been really the hub of it almost for the last 10 or 12 uh-huh. years. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a cool place to be. I mean, if someone always asks, it's like, look, I'm doing a podcast because I was in a movie 30 years ago to talk about a movie that was lame 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a room full of people. And... Not that you're all here because of me. You're all here because of Mitch. But um, definitely, that's why I'm sorry, here. Andy. <laughs> no, it's, but but no, um, look, not many people get to do that. Everybody asks, "It's like, do you get tired of talking about Monster Squad?" I was like, "Well, now I can talk about Mo- Wolfman's Got Nards. It's not just about Monster Squad." But leading up to that, I always said, "Look, uh, if someone, if this means something to someone, that's fascinating. And how many people on the planet get to continue to affect someone's life or their day?" Uh, for something you did three decades ago. I mean, I don't know, like, think back where you were three decades ago, where you were doing, it was like, no one came up to me in Central Park today and took a picture. (laughs) (laughs) I was in New York City because we were doing Brooklyn Horror Film Festival in Salem just before that, and my sister and I were walking on Century Park West um, to look at all the wealthy people. And in in the middle of the street by Central Park, this guy goes, holy shit, it's a guy from Monster Squad. And getting recognized is not... A, a weird or, or uh, doesn't I mean it happens but this guy freak but I had met him before at a convention in San Antonio and I actually remembered him because he was memorable because he, he had a unique face and a voice and I, but I just couldn't place his name and he Casper was Van Dien. He, it was Casper Van Dien <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was Denise Richards <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like I'm sitting there going this guy just saw me on the sidewalk and lost his mind because he was just so energized and jazzed. And he pulled out his wallet and showed me his debit card. And his debit card was on his, you, know, you can order, you can put pictures on your cards now. It was a picture of me and Ryan Lambert and him at the convention that we met like two years ago. Wow. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, this is really cool. Is it creepy or is it really cool? <laughs> this is really cool. But kind of creepy. <laughs> 
but he lost his mind. And then his buddy was like, oh, my God, what's happening? He's like, this guy was so energized. I was like, that never gets old. It might get creepy, <laughs> but it, it doesn't get old. And I don't, you know, you got to you got to appreciate and respect the fact that um, something that, you know, Fred Decker made 30 years ago that Shane Black wrote. And now those guys are back working together on things like The Predator and and a couple other projects that are that are going to be pretty bitching in the next couple of years. Uh, there's a lot of full circle stories going on, mm-hmm. and um, it's all kind of, you know, anchored with this movie that bombed, but really connected with a lot of people that they didn't know each other for a long time until 2007. Yeah. Well, Wolfman's Got Nards is on tomorrow, so get yourself along and check it out. Andre, yeah. thank I you think for it's taking all oh, the thanks for time having to me. do this. Yeah. Yeah. And... Rico, Rico's Roughnecks. <laughs> Rico's Roughnecks. And before we go, there is one thing that we did say we would do. The sleeper hit of the podcast. Uh, Mitch, do you want to tell people about it? Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's Mitch's Pitches! Um, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the podcast that is designed to exploit my ignorance for other people's entertainment. So uh, basically what happens is, while we're recording an episode, Andy will send um, a poster from um, a horror film from years gone by. And I'm doing it now. Which he's currently doing. It's been photoshopped to remove all identifying text, like titles, taglines, and so on. The image is the only thing that's there. I have to describe it to the best of my ability, give it a title and a synopsis. So I pitch a film based on a poster for a film that already exists. But yes. basically, the, the, the joke is that I am extraordinarily ignorant when it comes to horror films, as we discussed briefly last night. I have seen yeah. almost nothing. Andre, t- I need to bump you along a seat just because I, I don't want Mitch to be in any way inclined to look at the screen. Yes. Um, because, yeah, because oh, okay. oh, Mitch, you can, you yeah, can move on yeah. to the middle there. Right, yeah. I've sent you. Uh, the image has wung its way to your, your telephone. So you're sending this now, right? I've sent it, I've sent okay. it. Two seconds. Christ. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I'm glad someone thinks it's fucking funny. Okay. <laughs> it does have a it does have a Dwayne Johnson esque quality about. Okay. The Rock is Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Do I, do I still have to describe it, even though everyone yeah, can see uh, it? Yeah, you, you're describing what you're seeing. I mean, like, yeah, from what I can see, we are in, uh, I would say it's of indeterminate location. because uh, I would say it's, uh, it uh, looks quite like hell. Because like, I mean, like, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit hell-like in the sense that it seems to be filled with fire and brimstone. <laughs> and, uh, and also workout equipment. So uh, <laughs> not a million miles from my own idea of hell. Um, So um, uh, so we have, um, in the background, I would say it's fair to say, um, a fairly muscle-bound man using gym equipment. He is having a time of it, I would say. Is he in a state of some distress? I would go say? as far as to say that he's in a state of some distress, Andy. <laughs> I, I, I would venture that. Um, he's, he's wearing only a pair of very short shorts. Um, <laughs> and I'm just going to zoom for a sec. <laughs> Oh, he's tied to the machine. I see that now. Yeah, he's bound <laughs> by the arms. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Also, it looks like his heart's been ripped out. There's like a gaping chasm in the middle of his chest. Reasonable? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. From what I can see. Yeah. And this is only the background of this image. In the foreground of the image, we have um, a woman using what appears to be like a Stairmaster sure. type thing, like one of those, something like that. Wearing kind of like 80s. Don't pretend you know what a Stairmaster is. <laughs> I've read about them. <laughs> I'm familiar with them on a conceptual level. Um, yeah, she's wearing like 80s workout gear and, okay. Uh, yeah, there's definitely something up with her head. <laughs> Can't put my finger on it. <laughs> but there's something for sure. Uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, all of her skin's been removed. <laughs> and she's missing a number of teeth. Except for her hair. Her hair is intact and actually like free flowing. It's like it's like a mighty mane. Um, okay, right. Um, so that, that that concludes my summary of the picture. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. Right. I will all agree that you've hit on all the key points. Thanks very much. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a synopsis and a title. Okay, so right. So I'm going to say, following a freak workout accident, <laughs> sure, a duplicitous gym instructor must like, must confront his life's mistakes as he ventures through a version of hell that is set in a gym. <laughs> and I'm going to give it the title, Feel the Burn. <laughs> oh, that's actually better than the, the, than, than the real film. Totally is. Um, that's fucking brilliant. Um, Look at you, no small measure of pride there. Went out pretty well, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, um, no, feel the burn. I'm going to put a year on it as well. I'm going to say 85. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> because why not? It may shock you to learn, Mitch, that you've seen this. <laughs> and I, I, while you were I've, I've seen feel the burn. <laughs> <laughs> while you were delivering this, I thought... I wonder if he's going to pick up on this, that he's actually seen this. For fuck's sake, it's, it's death spa, isn't it? <laughs> For fuck's sake. Yes, it's death spa, or to use its other title, Witch Bitch. Uh, yeah. Neither are as good a title as Feel the Burn, I'm sorry. No, I, I, would, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, Mitch's Pitch is live. Mitch's Pitch is live, that's what that looks like. Guys, you've been fantastic. Thank, thank you so you much, much guys. Thank you. That's, that's <laughs> amazing. Thank you also. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And guys, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of judge. <laughs> Cheerio. Thank you. So, so that was that. We did that. We did that. How'd you feel? Um, good. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody else did too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. And a massive thanks to Rob and all the guys at Segloid Screams and to Andre himself for coming along and doing that with us. That was amazing. Yeah, and being so game, being so up for a laugh. And um, crucially, to everyone who came along. And you were, uh, you were closest to the point. We had over thirty people there, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Big thank you to everybody that kind of uh, took some time out on their Friday afternoon to come down and check it out. Also, um, do you just want to take a minute to say hello to longtime friend of the show, Dennis Extra Atherton, who, to the best of my understanding, did everything in his power 
to get himself um, along the road to Sheffield for it, but couldn't make it in the end. Yeah. So don't worry about that, Dennis, because there will definitely be more of these in the future. Yeah, I would certainly like to do some more of these. I had, a, I had like I say, I had a ball. Yeah, I had a really good time too. Um, so yeah, we are currently kind of looking into possible timescales, locations and things like that for when we might be doing some more of these. So um, stick with us in the meantime, because we do have a lot of really good ideas about where this is headed. Yep, and a lot of cool guests coming up for the regular show that we do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've um, got, some, uh, got some amazing and stuff in the pipeline yeah but yeah big thank you once again as you say to uh rob and polly and the team at cellular screams for putting us on taking a chance on us and a big thank you to everyone that came down we will be back this monday with another mini-sode for your delectation in the meantime if you want to get in touch it is facebook and instagram strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc and you can email us scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and as always, there's loads of places you can listen to us. You can get us on Spotify, you can get us on iTunes, and just about anywhere else that you get podcasts. Practically, yeah. Pretty much. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, please, please rate and review. So we'll be back Monday. Join us then if you can. And in the meantime, don't forget, the only good bug is a dead bug. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.